Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 144. My name is Peyton Burton, your host. Here with me, I got my brother, Josh Burton, and we got the founder, the owner, the host, however you want to talk about it, of the Two Pointers Podcast. Man, that's a lot to say. Trevor Everett. Trevor, welcome to the show, and how you doing, my man? Well, since you gave me this... uh lovely intro i was going to introduce myself as phil since the uh audio at the beginning said i was him but uh nice to have uh nice to have the time with you guys thank you for uh thank you for having me on i'm i'm super excited um i i'm not like josh told us before we started uh i'm not sleeping well either too much going on and uh i'm excited to get talk college basketball with you guys it is we are in the time of year fellas where if you are serious about this like we are and cover this sport passionately these are 22 hour days (laughs) <laughs> you wake up at six and whether you're like getting ready for games or if you have to go to day jobs, you're doing all that, watching games and you're not getting done until like three, four in the morning, East Coast time. And then you got to get back up and do it all over again. But we wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because Peyton, it is March and it is my favorite time of the year. But I'm going beat up style already. I got on the monitor to my left. I got the UConn Providence game on the main monitor right in front of me. I got my Jayhawks on and over here on my right screen, my little TV. I got the San Diego State, Colorado State game going on. Like I have so many screens. It's hard to keep track. Now we're trying to record a podcast. There's a lot going in my tiny little brain, but I'm here to do it. As always, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise and the part with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house.enterprise.com for more info and fellas let's start this off with the bang one of the biggest uh news storylines this week came out of the state of texas and that's texas tech mark adams was either fired he left however you want to describe it he is no longer the coach at the university of texas tech josh i'll go to you on this one what's your thoughts on this because it does not surprise me at all first of all what the hell is going on in the state of texas with their college hoops coaches First, we had Chris Beard, now Mark Adams. There is a lot going on here, and uh, none of it's good. Like, you hear the stories, and of course, Mark Adams has kind of tried to deny it, but he's also said he's not apologizing. The gist of it, fellas, from what I understand, is that some time ago, he's been accused of spitting on players. He and his camp tried to say that the spit flew out while he was yelling, okay, but in the same vein... There's a story which is the bigger, most disturbing part of this is that he used racially insensitive talk in the form of quoting a Bible passage, telling the players apparently that I'm allowed to spit on you because in quoting a a chapter or a verse from the Bible saying that sometimes in life there are masters and there are servants and that's why I'm allowed to spit on you. Well, Listen, I know not everybody's religious and we don't talk about that for obvious reasons. I've read the Bible and I I understand a good amount of it. Even if that is true, what is written in scripture, you got to know who you're dealing with. He is an older white man with primarily younger black men. In what world is that okay to quote that? Like that is not okay. 
first of all, it's not okay if you, whether you intentionally did it or unintentionally, it's not okay to spit on people. And then you're damn sure not okay to tell young black men that, well, I'm your master, you're my servant, and try to pass it off as, I was just quoting the Bible. That is not okay. And he's not going to apologize again because he it's from the Bible, so he's not going to apologize for scripture. That part itself, fine. But damn it, if you said that, own up to it. Be like, all right, maybe I used the wrong passage or the wrong scripture, and I apologize. This is a shitstorm. He should have been fired or resigned. He's obviously not well equipped to deal with modern players or just modern people. And it's a terrible look. Trevor, I don't know in what world he thinks this is acceptable. Well, my first thought was you were like, what is going on in Texas? Um, well, obviously, you know, obviously there's some more things going on with Jamie Dixon and TCU. I don't know if we'll uh, hit that today. but That's a good point, I mean, too. Like, yeah. I feel like the only safe coach right now, like someone needs to just lock Scott Drew in a room um, <laughs> for nine months. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to be very careful publicly about the Mark Adams stuff because I had a lot of conversations with people that, I have not in my basketball life um, that more geared toward some of the comments he made, even contextually from some of the scripture. And it's, it's just not whether you attack it from any angle, it, all of it was wrong. And honestly, I'm just really glad to see where it ended up. Cause he honestly, like you said, I, I have not, not much to add to this situation in terms of commentary, but it's just more of, I'm glad Texas tech who, by the way, like coveted job now. I mean, obviously, you know, we saw what Chris Beard did there before, but just, I just want basketball to be fun. March Madness doesn't have to be madness because of things that happened for teams like Texas Tech who were fighting for the bubble. Like, we don't have to sit here and we shouldn't have to deal with these kinds of things when the tournament is two days away from uh, Selection mm-hmm. Sunday. The Bible has many chapters within it, and it's got thousands of words in it. Could you not use a better scripture if you were trying to get a certain point across? Did you Anything have to that. use that one? Yeah. Did you have to use that one? Peyton, I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand the line of thinking, the rationale. What the hell is up with coaches right now? Dude, I don't know. Like uh, Trevor said, the, the state of Texas isn't safe. Uh, you better lock up Scott June, lock up uh, Coach Sampson up so they don't get anywhere near this type of situation because it's just been rough. These last two months has been rough from the Chris Beard situation to Brandon Miller to now the Jamie Dixon at TCU and now Mark Adams at Texas Tech. Like, it's been a lot of news stories coming out in like, the last month and a half, and it just sucks. And this is coming after Texas Tech. Uh, finished 16 and 16 overall this year. They got beat in the first round of a Big 12 tournament against West Virginia. And that was uh, Mark Adams' last game at Texas Tech. Spent two full seasons there. So, like Trevor mentioned, this has become sort of a sort of a coveted job. Texas Tech, especially when Chris Beer was there, he started to build that up to like a top home court environment. So, whoever takes the uh, whoever's the next man up, I love it's going to get a nice. Um, they should be able to do some nice things with that. Well, they've got, they, they've got nice facilities. They're yeah. in a top premier basketball conference. The money should be there. It's going to continue to get better, too. It's going to be tougher next year. Yeah, a doubt. And it, yeah, when adding Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, um, it's going to get better. So it, it'll be a nice job. But, man, I don't understand, coaches. You kind of touched on the Jamie Dixon situation. Um, it. I just I don't get it. This, like you mentioned, Trevor, this is supposed to be the fun time of year. And I swear, for the last month or so, we've had to come on every show. We do two a week, the midweek, and on the primary Sunday show. 
and we have to come on and talk about stupid shit that a coach has done, a player's done, an administration's done. Why it's can't a perfect we example. Selection Sunday is in two days. Why don't we open with this? I mean, like we shouldn't even be opening with this. This should be something that shouldn't have happened. And that anyway, I left Kelvin Sampson out of the Texas thing. I'm glad when he all said it, he's had his own uh, things that have happened in his career. So I left him out of this safely because he's, you know, I don't want to tear the guy down while he's ahead, but. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fair too, but it just, we shouldn't have to open with this show yeah. after show, but uh, Peyton, I know we had other coaching news that's uh Kind of expected, long overdue, but still pretty big news that we got to talk about. Without a doubt. And you know what? In the format I sent you guys, I put a question mark about this because even though I'm still not sure. Jim Boeheim retired? Like, did he actually retire? Did he get forced out? Like, what's the deal? Because even he is, he did like a little like press conference after they lost uh, to Wake Forest the other night yesterday. And the way he made it sound like is he's grateful for the opportunity to be coaching for, I think, 47 seasons now at Syracuse, something yep. like that. Um, but the way he put it is, like, if someone asks him, I think, like, is this your last game? Are you retiring? And he says, oh, you have to ask the administration about that. So did he retire? Did he get forced out? What do you guys think? Well, Trevor, you're the ACC guy, especially since Phillip wasn't able to make it today. Um, you know, this has been teased for at least a decade. I can go back to 2013, 2014, where he's like, oh, yeah, I've probably got two or three years when the whole scandal happened at Syracuse with the minors and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I've got two or three years. And then it's a couple more years. And, and then finally, it's like, dude, the program is not getting better under you. It's kind of like I mentioned this a while back. We talked about Syracuse and I said it's very like poetic in a way where it's like the rise and fall of like the Roman Empire, because before Jim Beheim. Syracuse was a nobody. Then they have this crazy ascension to the national spotlight under him and because of him. And then the last five, six years, they've had this steep decline because of him. So it's long overdue, but just, uh, I don't know. It's going to be weird without him on the sideline, but man, it's been long overdue. Like I said, for a long time that he, he should have retired a, a while back. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I guess I'll be more positive because, first of all, the question I'll ask is the same I asked to a lot of my friends I was uh, with yesterday when I found out about it before I talk about any of the other stuff logistically after this. Honest, you know, gun to your head answer. Like, did you actually realize it was 47 years? I, dude, it was, all it was all blending in. I knew it was a long time. Yeah. Like I had like 30 something in my mind. Like most people, like Kelvin Sampson has been around 33 years. Krzyzewski was 30 some odd. You know, Dean Smith was there for 40 something years, like just some of those long time numbers you think of. I ask every single person who I know for a fact, you know, loves college basketball, you know, from the same area I am. We all love it to that extent. We all know it pretty well. And I said, do we all realize that it was 47 and not a single person I know and trust said that they realized it was 47 years. So first of all, I just want to get that out there because I thought I was the only one. Uh, I thought I was losing my mind. Uh, like for context, my father was three years old when he started coaching at Syracuse. Like just, Jesus, like just need a timeline there. Um, I really like uh, Autry though. I'm really excited. I know the whole like replacing a legend thing is always really tough. I know we've seen it uh, with Hubert Davis at Carolina and Roy Williams and some other places, and obviously um, Shire at Duke. But I like uh, Autry from what I do understand about him and some of his coaching career. Um, obviously, he spent the last couple of years, uh, actually over the last 10 years at Syracuse as an assistant uh, and associate head coach. And then he had some experience uh, at Virginia Tech um, prior to Syracuse. So obviously a former player, the, the pedigree there um, is uh, understood. I just hope that 
as from what I do understand about him, I like the guy and I really am glad that they're going with the internal hire to kind of see how things go. I just hope he puts his own spin on things. I hope he figures out a way to maybe change the mold of how we view Syracuse. Obviously it's going to be an uphill battle in recruiting and some of that stuff um, in a very tough conference, but I hope that he can take a step away from some of that two, three zone and some of that mantra that they're known for and figure out a new path for this team as somebody who what, did play for him. Well, you, you tucked the words out my mouth. Cause I was about to ask, are we going to continue to see the two, three? Like, I don't think he's going to entirely, I, I was, well, I don't think he's going to entirely drop it because he knows it pretty well. And it's effective when you have the long athletes that Bayheim used to have. When he had those type of players like Carmel Anthony, and you could basically shrink a floor and cover every Every inch of the floor defensively, it worked tremendous. But they stopped. They kind of got lazy with it. There's tactical issues where they stopped trapping the corners. They stopped allowing – or they they started allowing more post-entry passes. So I would like to see it some, but mixed up, go back to a more trapping aggressive style, run some man-to-man, all that. But we also talked about Bayheim was there 47 years coaching. I think in total of his life, he was there like 60 years. (laughs) <laughs> he spent a long time at Syracuse. So it's going to be interesting handing the reins over. But I will say this, if Autry can convince like a guy like Jesse Edwards to come back, you know, he's got a good base with some of those guys, um, Judah Mintz and all them. Yep. If he could somehow get them to come back, Hey, it's not a bad way to start off your career, hit the portal hard. Syracuse might be art, but ever since they moved to ACC and we'll move on from this, you know, Bayheim prior to Syracuse moving to ACC, had only had, I think, two seasons of sub-65 win percentage, 650 win percentage. Since moving to ACC in the prior eight or the previous eight years, I think he's had like five of them is what I've seen in conference record. So the ACC financially has been wonderful for Syracuse, but basketball-wise, it has hurt them terribly. But Peyton, we can move on from that. I know we got a lot to talk about here. It's champ week, man. We're, we're counting down the days till Selection Sunday. Josh, you said that was poetic about uh, Jim Bayham at Syracuse. It's also poetic that one of the teams that he mentioned about a couple weeks ago about AKA buying teams was Wake Forest, and that was a team that sent him home. Uh, need to get our boy Davian Williamson on the show again because he's the one who put the final nail in the coffin in Jim Bayham's career. Um, either way, you know, I'm not the biggest Bayham fan, especially the last couple of years. He's been a dick to the media, it seems like. Um, but he's an absolute legend in the college game, over like 1,100 wins, second behind uh, Coach K, who I consider the greatest of all time. Hats off to Jim Beheim, a great career. Uh, just those last like five years wasn't the greatest for him at all. Well, let's move on. Let's go to MSG, the mecca of college basketball, the mecca of any arena in sports. MSG Marquette beats St. John's in overtime, 72-70. This is a game that at, at halftime, St. John's was up 36-26. to And the second half was a different story because Tyler Collick was the man amongst boys in the second half. 19 points for him. Possible had 16. Cam Jones had 11. Thoughts on St. John's being up 10? And the thoughts on Marquette storming back to win this game in overtime? Trevor, I don't know about you, but this doesn't surprise me in the lead or the least because normally, especially in the Garden, the team who gets a bye normally struggles their first game, especially at noon tip time. You already have St. John's getting some momentum yesterday with the win advancing. They came in with kind of their legs fresh and ready to go. 
it took Marquette 20 minutes, obviously, to kind of wake up. And then once they did, they showed exactly why they were the Big East regular season champs and why they're a team that could be a team to be reckoned with come March Madness and tournament. Tyler Collick's phenomenal. You know, we mentioned a few shows ago, Peyton, that we've heard comparisons that he's a modern-day John Stockton with his ability to score, pass, and shoot at all three levels. He took over this game. But I do want to give some credit to St. John's, though, because Marquette goes on a run that you would think would put this game away, and every time they did, St. John's fought back. They showed a lot of grit in this game. And the final play, I'm sure we'll get into that, that was – the Garden had a crazy one yesterday, too, with DePaul, Seton Hall. The Garden brings out special stuff coming on, but Marquette found a way to win. That's what winners do, Trevor, and uh, good start to the Thursday action out in the Big East. Yeah, as historically somebody who, I say historically this year, obviously, um, who ranked Marquette lower than I probably should have multiple times and really was like, mm, but let's continue to see it. And obviously they won the season pretty convincingly. I think they were due for some regression. Obviously St. John's, I'm not going to overreact to the fact that they played them tough. They were up 10. I know that, you know, this team is built really well with, uh, with Cam Jones and some others, but I think that it showed Shaka smart uh, just needed to figure out some adjustments. And I think that ultimately, I don't think they're going to win the biggest tournament, uh, but I think this was a good uh, kind of idea of what we can see them in as a tournament uh, facing kind of adversity. Um, St. John's knows how to play them well. And I just think Shaka smart is, is a good coach. And I think that I am, buying in more to now where he's going to learn from a tough stretch here in the Big East. It's not going to be a walk in the park. Peyton, I, I you were able to watch this game in its entirety. Um, describe to the audience that final possession of regulation when it looked like Marquette might have walked the game off with the lay it there. Yeah, Tyler Collick, they had to go to the length of the floor. Tyler Collick gets the ball. He goes to his left, and he shoots lefty. Shoots a fadeaway three. I thought when he left his hands, like, I was like, oh, that's that might be going in there. Um, but he left it just short, and I, I don't know who it was from Marquette. One of their big men down low got the ball, uh, cut it at the um, top, and just laid it up for a little tip in. Um and they got – it was a no basket. They went to the monitor, and they realized that it was still in his hands when the clock hit zero. So we went to overtime. But, no, the biggest thing I watched in this game is for St. John's-wise is, for one, uh, Posh Alexander did not have his best game. Seven points, two or ten from the field. And in overtime, the overtime period, St. John's went 0 of 7 from the field goal – from the field. They went 9 of 10 from the free throw line. They lost by two. They almost nearly beat Marquette in overtime just from free throws alone without hitting a single uh, shot. That's crazy to me. Hats off to St. John's and, and great win for Marquette. And I want to jump up real quick, too. Uh, freshman sensation who's really been playing well for St. John's, A.J. Store, only six points in this game. He could not find his rhythm score in the basketball, one of five from three. He's been a kid that's showed a lot of promise over the last month. You would have to think that if he played to his normal production, that St. John's pulls the upset. Doesn't happen. We talked about Colic, 19 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. The kid is just so damn good, and he's going to be the huge reason why if Marquette makes a run, a deep run potentially, because of Tyler Colic. Ending this St. John's talk, I do want to ask you guys real quick. The rumors have been swirling for months now that this is Mike Anderson's last hurrah in – uh, at St. John's all signs seem to point to slick Rick Patino taking over <laughs> in New York city with St. John's. What's the odds. We'll go one to a hundred percent odds here of Rick Patino being the next head coach at St. John's next year. Can I give you a caveat? 
Yeah, go ahead. They lose the tournament this year, the Iona, that they lose the MAC tournament, then 75%. They win the MAC tournament and they make 15 seed and they do some crazy cool thing, whatever. Uh, probably 25%. So you maybe the, can, maybe it's the other way around. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if they you know win and he's like, all right, I've done it. I won the conference tournament here. Maybe I'm wrong, but I so I think, think he'll want to right the wrong and try to win the MAC before he leaves Iona. Maybe he doesn't care. I don't know, but I'll okay. give you 75. Interesting. So you think that winning the conference is is a big enough deal to keep him there at Iona? I read his comments, what was the last week or the week prior that he had an interview and it was, the article was written that he says that he would only leave Iona for a team he thinks can get to the final four. To me, that sounds like Rick is ready to leave. Like, okay. I, I feel like he's done his almost quote unquote rehab stint. That's a nice story. But Reputational fix. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think Rick, we've always said this, Rick is a guy for a big city. And what other better big city for him? You put a, an Italian-American in the heart of Italian-American culture in New York City? Come on now, that's a match made in heaven. And I'll say this, Peyton, and you know my feelings of Rick Pitino. He goes to St. John's within the next year or two, with, especially with the portal. He will have St. John's dancing again and back towards the top of that's the what I was going to ask. Is, are they, I mean, talking about getting them back to Final Fours, like that's, I just don't know if that's the destination. That's what, I mean, logistically, all of the Italian-American stuff is funny, and I'm, I agree there, but is there a better opportunity elsewhere? Probably not because the only other opportunities I see, unless unless Texas takes an opportunity on him, which I don't know if they will, or maybe I don't Texas think he wants Tech. To go to the South. Yeah. yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't think Texas Tech's a good fit for him. So it leaves two options. I think that leaves St. John's and eventually Georgetown when they smarten up and let go of Patrick Ewing. Either one, he has an opportunity because he's playing in a premier conference that he basically cut his teeth in when he led Providence to the final four in 87. So he's a big East guy at heart. He's a Northeastern at heart. So it's either going to be St. John's or Georgetown, either one, he's going to make good. We know how great Rick Pitino is. So whether it's St. John's, whether it's down in DC with uh, Georgetown, I think you're going to see Rick Pitino at one of the two. And within a couple of years, th- those programs, whichever one lands him, are going to be back to prominence. Peyton, really quick. I think the Georgetown thing, I'll, I'll say this. I think the Georgetown thing is one I'm going to watch more and be more intently of because him and Patrick Ewing have a really good relationship. And there's a lot of almost like a passing a torch moment there from some of the stuff that they uh, had early on in their career. Um, I, I'm going to eyeball that one more than I think St. John's, even though I think they both are really good fits. Yeah, hundred percent. I seen the comment uh, Patrick Ewing made. I think it was either today or yesterday. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Plus, confidence and him being emotional. Someone asked him, "Like, would you love to return?" And obviously, he's a Georgetown Hoy. He's an alum there, um, and he's a Georgetown legend. I get all that, but listen, he needs to know it's time for him to get out of Georgetown immediately. Like that, they should come up with the terms to get rid of him like probably this weekend before selection Sunday, maybe after it, we'll see. But uh, I do like the Georgetown fit more than I do the St. John's fit for Rick Patino. But either way, I agree with Josh. It doesn't matter what they do in the MAC tournament. Um, I think he's done, Iona. He said it before. He wants to get out of a one big league. He wants uh, another chance to go to the Final Four. And what better place to do that than going back to the Big East where yeah. he used to coach with Providence and Louisville. Um and also, I think it's funny. I feel bad for Iona because they posted on their Twitter because he just won the Matt Coach of the Year yeah. uh, this season. I they posted that. they posted on Twitter, our coach and no one else can have or no one else has him. <laughs> yeah, and it was really bad. It was honestly a bad look. They put our 
um, in all capitalization. I'm like, he might be your coach for now. Let's just wait till after the season. Yeah, give a couple weeks. I don't think he's coming back for what third year or whatever, fourth year. I don't even know what it is. But, one thing. Uh, can I mention one thing about Marquette that I thought of too? And I, I unfortunately missed this game today, so I was very. I'm glad that we talked about it because I want to go back and watch it and uh, make sure I'm up on what's going on. But um, understanding what I did see and looking at some of the scores and stuff, their bench has concerned me a lot of the year uh, and only getting 12 points in this game off the bench uh, from Ross and, and, uh, and Joplin. I don't love, uh, obviously I think again, this is going to be a testament to maybe some coaching adjustments and I think smart is capable of making them. Um, but that's another reason I don't think they make it out of the Big East. And then obviously that's uh, some of their stuff in the tournament for me is going to be very matchup dependent. If there's a team with a deeper rotation of guards, especially uh, into a bench unit, I'm going to be really hard pressed to pick Marquette. So I'm glad you said that real quick before we move on. You know who Marquette's starting to remind me of? And that's Creighton right there in their own conference. Both teams are very reliant on their yep. starting five, playing a lot of minutes and playing well. Both have great starting fives, but you go down deeper in the bench the rotation's not the same quality. So I'm with you. They get in foul trouble or something happens. That's where a team like Marquette or Creighton could both be in trouble come NCAA tournament time. That's a great point. I like that. Uh, yeah. Another point I'll make with that, and then we'll move to another game. I, I know we're taking a long time talking about this one game, but it was a big topic to discuss for today. Um, another concern for me from Marquette that I've seen all season long, and especially when we get to turn up play, I don't know how much concern is going to be in Big East play, is that they don't have any pros on their roster at all. Not Tyler right Collick, I love Tyler Collick. He's one of my favorite players in the country to watch. I don't think he's a pro, not yet at least. Uh, they got a lot of young players on the roster. They could be good for a couple of years. Uh, from now i'd fight um, back on prosper a little bit i'm starting to like evaluate prosper i've got him in like the 80s of a top 100 so i mean it's well having yeah. my only my only play there but well haven't seen marquette in person we've seen him play purdue earlier in the year in mac arena i i like cam jones i think his game could translate to the nba the way he's a, a bigger body guard has some good handles can really shoot and score the basketball but I don't think he's quite there yet. I think he could potentially be a pro, Peyton. But, yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't think they have an out-and-out -out pro right now. They're going to need Cam Jones to shoot better than 3 for 13 from 3. If they're Absolutely. Gonna win yeah. anyway, so. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Too much damn Big East talk for my little brain <laughs> right now. Let's go to ACC Conference. Uh, we literally just talked about it, kind of. Uh, Wake Forest, 77, Syracuse, 74. This is Jim Baham's last game. Our boy Josh Davian Williamson hits the game-winning three. And uh, onions for my boy Davian Williamson. I'm going to go to you, Trevor, since this is basically you cover the ACC a lot this year. Uh, thoughts on Wake Forest and thoughts on that game winner from Davian Williamson? I'm so glad you asked about thoughts on Wake Forest because I, I texted a buddy who is, I'll very carefully say, is an employee at Wake Forest. And I said, hey, buddy, I said, I hope you understand that you're probably going to almost beat Miami tomorrow. And they only lost by two today on a similar shot from Williamson, who was another 15 to 20 feet back. So I'm very proud of that one. Um, I really thought Wake could have beat Miami, and I'm really disappointed that they didn't. Uh, I really wanted to see an all big uh, four here in the triangle uh, end up in the semifinals. I think it'd be really awesome. But uh, unfortunately, we were deprived of that. Uh, Miami obviously showed up a big fight there. Um, Wake is a really fun team. I think they're really obviously in a very unfortunate position for next year, losing uh, Tyree and losing... Uh, a couple other people there, but they'll return a couple of guys and they'll figure it out. Uh, I'm a big fan of their coaching staff and what they've built there in a year that they probably wouldn't have been good if Applebee didn't have a, a all ACC type of year. Um, 
definitely exceeded expectations. I'm just glad that they were, you know, I'm just glad it was a team that I'm fond of that, uh, that put the nail in the Jim Beheim coffin, um, <laughs> un- ironically, but, um, I was really happy to see it. I, I, it was, I'm watching most of that game in and out. I'm at home working, uh, working from home. And all of a sudden I'm like, all right, there's three minutes left. Let me make sure I'm catching the final three. And it was obviously worth every bit of the, uh, every bit of the wait. Well, that final possession too, to make the defensive stop. And I don't know what Syracuse was doing. I have to, I'd have to go back and look. I forget who had the ball. I don't know if it was Mintz or Benny Williams, but they took the, they had ball in the shot clock in their or the, the time clock in their favor. They could have ran it down to literally take the final shot or go to overtime. They took the shot with like seven seconds to go or whatever it was. So I don't know. I think it's because Wake put a little ball pressure on them. And then they took the shot early, missed the shot. Wake doesn't call timeout. Speed rushes down the floor. Syracuse gets set up in their infamous zone. Tyree Appleby makes a brilliant play. Draw, drives to the top of the key, draws the top two guys of the zone, kick out Davian, onions, bucket, game over. Brilliant, like, final possession from Wake Forest. Tyree Appleby had an all-ACC-type performance this year. And you look at Wake Forest in this game, all five starters go for double figures in this game. And they did it without Damari Monsanto, who has been a revelation for him this year. So good win yeah. for Wake. Unfortunately, they lost to Miami today. In full disclosure, getting to know Davian a little bit back in the preseason when he came on, got to chat him up a little bit. I mean, I was pulling for Wake. I know we're supposed to be was unbiased, too. but I was pulling for Wake to make a deep run and try to get in the tournament. But it wasn't to be. But you know what? Davian can live with that memory for the rest of his life. He hits a game winner to end Syracuse and Bayheim's career. So pretty cool stuff there. The way the AC tournament too is like for those that are live watching this and also hearing this later, if you haven't watched the documentary about the tournament, whether you're from here or not for me, um, go watch the documentary. It's unbelievable. They paint a really beautiful picture uh, in 10 episodes of how that tournament's impact is on college basketball. Um, but not only is that one shot obviously going to be an ACC, you know, they show a montage of the tournament when it starts and hit that shot's probably going to end up in there. Um, but for him to, if he, if he had made the one against Miami, uh, go back and watch it. Similar play, obviously further back had to release it with less time at basically at the half court line. If he had made that, then he was going to go down in like ACC folklore. I mean, that would have been unbelievable to knock off the number one seed. That would have been just the most beautiful moment. And again, yes, I was pulling for it. Well, how cool too. Be. He's a Winston Salem kid playing for his in-city school to have a moment like that. That's really cool. And by the way, you're an ACC guy. You're right there in the triangle. Dude, this tournament is back where it belongs. Last year it was up in New York City. (laughs) That's not ACC country. It's like when they moved the SEC tournament a couple years ago, moved it out to Kansas City. That's Big 12 country, not SEC country. So Peyton alluded to this earlier too, the whole Jim Beheim, like like the team comments about Wake Forest buying players and stuff like that, right? I think it's even funnier. You mentioned he lost to Wake Forest in the tournament. That was what put him out. Even funnier that it was like a home game for Wake. People don't realize Greensboro is literally like almost a joint to Winston-Salem. So I was like, yes, this is so beautiful to like put Jim Beheim out of his misery. And it would, it was basically, I'm sure he was not thrilled. It was a home game. Um, but yeah, it's, just, it's, I'm not happy about it because this is the one year in the last three years I haven't been able to go. And I haven't, I've actually funny enough, never been to the AC tournament. It's really a, a thing I'm not proud of admitting out loud. And this is the year I wanted to go really bad, but circumstantially it didn't work out. And so next time when it comes back, I, I'm a proponent of it should always be back here. It should never have left here. But It should never leave Greensboro. I'm excited. I've already got my calendar blocked three years from now when it comes back. It's a three-year rotation, I think, now with Brooklyn and D.C. And I think that's it, right? So Yeah.
anyway, not happy about it, but we'll see. Peyton, let's go to your conference. Let's go to the Big 12 real quick. Yes. Sorry, I was looking at my phone. Someone just invited me to go to a Pacers game. I had to expect to decline that ship because it's college basketball season, <laughs> baby. I ain't got time for that NBA crap right now. Maybe in April, though. Maybe I'll uh, – well, Pacers might – I don't even know. Either way, it's college basketball season. Let's say – let's move – yeah, let's go to the Big 12. Iowa State sweeps Baylor this year. They were 2-0 and in the regular season. Now they're 3-0 in the season. They beat them two times in one in the span of one week, 78 to 72. Baylor was up at one point. Like I think it was 51 to 44 or 45. And Iowa State won in the 801. And after that, they just pretty much dominated them like they did in that last matchup in the regular season. Um Iowa State, even though they lost like five in a row. Um, before the two Baylor games. They're starting to play well, and I still think they got the talent. Gabe Kalsher had, like, 24 points. Um, I don't know how much he ended up when I'm trying to pull up. 24. Yeah, okay. 24. Yeah. yeah, 24 points. He was lights out in this game. Joan Holmes was playing well as uh, he has been pretty much all season long. Thoughts on Iowa State, man. It's, Baylor is 22-6 and six against teams not named Iowa State. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me say this, and it's – this is a perfect case of addition by subtraction. Caleb Grill got dismissed from the team a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Since then, Iowa State's made their ascent, as you mentioned. They're, they're playing better. They're winning games again. So if you're Caleb Grill, that's not a good look for you where you get off the team where you're one of their best players, and now the team's winning again. Um, Gabe Kalster, as you mentioned, 24 points, home 17. They got a good game from the freshman to me uh, – how do you say that? Taman Lipsy? Tamin Lipsy? I don't I'm know. Not even I, trying. I, I, I butchered. You're asking the wrong guy for me. Yes. I, I yes. can't. Get, pronunciations yeah, I, aren't my thing. We'll, we'll just go T Lipsy. I like that. It sounds like a cool little name. T Lipsy at 13. But I'm more concerned to me, the story's Baylor. Peyton, three weeks ago, we were me, you, and Phil were all talking about Baylor as a team that could win another national title. They're not playing well down the stretch at the wrong time of the year. No lengths in love in this game. Jalen Bridges was phenomenal. 28 points, Cryer 10, Flagler 14, Keontae George 11. Outside of those four, nothing. No scoring pretty much outside those four. I'm starting to get concerned about Baylor. This is not the time of the year where you hit your downslide um, after playing so well. So I'm more concerned about Baylor, and it really makes me – go into this tournament with a lot more caution picking them now, despite, as we've mentioned all year, having the best trio of guards in the entire country. They got the best trio of guards, but they don't defend. That's their major issue. They're 100 from Ken Palm for uh, defensive efficiency. When they was going on the little run on like uh, late mid-January to early February, when we only lost like one game, and that was the game at Texas, when they went on the little winning streak there, that's when their defense got up to like 65th or something like that. But now they're starting to struggle. Now they're having the same problems that they did at the beginning of the season uh, as soon as conference play started. started. Um, they don't defend. Keontae Johnson – or Keontae George, excuse me, is a great offensive player for them. Defensively, he's probably even worse. Um, they just because don't – calling card, by the way. That was one of the things that we really wanted him to be was a defender, especially yeah. the prospect. Yeah, and that's something he hasn't – he hasn't done all season long, and he's been a uh, a liability on the defensive part, and that's a big reason why they're only ranked like a hundredth and Ken Palm defensively wise. So that's the biggest issue to me is their defense. And if fellows, if I'd have told you before the game started this afternoon that Baylor goes fourteen of twenty nine from three, out of my 
Oh, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> 14 uh. of 29. For 48%, if I told you they shot that well from three and still lost this game by six points, there's no way in hell you would have believed me. No, I, I the defense is a different story because I obviously they uh, they missed. I'm going to call him Jonathan TT because I literally am not Conway pronouncing Chocula. that. There's not a good <laughs> thanks. So yeah, there you go. Uh, obviously, you. getting him back down the stretch has been really really important, but obviously it has not impacted their defense. Um, I hate to keep barking up the wrong uh, the same tree here with I did with Marquette. Um, I'm even less worried or I'm even more worried about Baylor's depth because I mean they literally don't have a reliable player off the bench offensively Bonner's not terrible but it's not somebody I'm I'm gonna be relying on if Baylor's gonna have to win five games straight in March and obviously you know I'm not gonna doubt any team that has a crier and flagler but man Iowa State you know on the flip side of it it's so weird because for the longest time I felt like I kept overranking them uh in the poll like every time I did my poll I'm like wow I'm putting them higher than most I'm putting them higher than most and they kept ending up four or five spots lower than I would put them and I never understood, and obviously they, you know, they haven't, like you said, haven't had a great last couple of games. Um, but I think they're built really, really well for March, and I think they can shoot the ball really well. I know thirty-eight percent against Baylor isn't the best uh, showing for them, but that's, you know, that's going to win you a game in March. And I really, really like Iowa State. I think this is kind of their statement win that they'll use to keep the momentum going. Obviously, the Big Twelve, anybody can beat anybody on any given night, as we're going to see today. And West Virginia is going to keep it close with Kansas. So uh, Baylor, I'm not going to necessarily fall out on obviously they'll probably end up in a three or four seed line now but um i don't know if i'm if i'm a you know whatever 12 11 or whatever the next seed would be that they would play I, i'm i'm not happy to be playing baylor and josh he mentioned thing. hold on josh he mentioned about baylor's death and they don't have anyone reliable option to come off the bench the guy who i thought was going to be one of those reliable options was caleb loner he played five minutes in this game. I thought he was going to be a yeah. guy who could play, play above the rim, use his athleticism, especially help defensively-wise. He's played five minutes in this game, had two points, and he has not really played that often uh, this season. He's a guy that I thought coming into this year, especially at their first like five games, I thought he could be a player coming off the bench. He just has not performed like that at all. No, and I'm with you. Um, Baylor's depth does concern me. And the fact that I'd almost rather – I would have felt better about Baylor if they missed their shots today. If they would have got beat by like 15, and it's because you look at the stat line, and it's like, oh, they went 4 of 29. You can make an excuse because you're like, well, tournament rims, that's tight, you know, nerves, whatever. The fact they shot almost 50% from three and still lost by six, that is super concerning for me. Um, and, and real last thing on Iowa State, we've talked about this all year. They are elite defensively. But they do have times where they struggle to score the basketball. I know they played well today and last week against Baylor. But I still think you get in those tournament situations, you play another team that especially wants to push the pace. I don't know how much I trust Iowa State still to score consistently against other good teams in the tournament. But I guess, hey, they're playing well right now, and that's all that matters. If I gave you $50 to take the vet, I don't know how publicly we're talking about betting on the show, but it's too late now. Too late now. So uh, $50, if I gave you both $50 each and we went to Vegas and when I said you have have one bet, you can either put it on Iowa State to make the Elite Eight or Baylor to make the Elite Eight, who would you put it on right now? I'm still Um, going Baylor. Yes, thank you. I'm going Baylor. Baylor. God play carries. And if they have a guy like Jay, uh, like um, Bridges who went for 28 tonight, uh, Seven for eight game. three, by the way. Like what? Yeah, yeah. If he does anything remotely close field. to that, and as long as one of those guards go off, then I think Baylor. Yeah, I, I still trust Baylor. They have, and I'm, I'm a firm component of 
tournament experience matters too. And they still got dudes like Ch- uh, JTT, as you called him. He, he was there a couple years ago when they won the title. Yeah, yeah they, they know what it takes. This could be a good thing for him. And plus, no Langston Love today. So I, I would still trust Baylor because they're they can win score. every coaching battle they ever like. Oh, of they're course. They're going to win almost every coaching battle. Uh, yeah. Of course. And if they need to, they'll just win shootouts. So I trust them more than I do Iowa State. And that's not a knock at Iowa State. I just I trust Baylor a little bit more come tournament time. Biggest issue for Iowa State and has been all season long, especially in conference play. They can win at their home building, but they could not take the show on the road at all. This is a big step forward for them winning this game in the neutral court in Kansas City. So hats off to Iowa State. They move on. They played the winner of Kansas versus West Virginia. Quick little update on that one. Kansas is up 62 to 53 with like five minutes to go on that one. Uh, so I'll keep you up to date on that game when that game ends. Uh, let's move on. Let's go back to let's go to the Big Ten Conference. Let's go. Number nine seed Rutgers ends Michigan's season. Send that. Well, I guess not ends the season. Sends them to the NIT. Uh, 62 to 50. This is a game that I watched pretty much all game long. Um, Michigan was up at one point. Uh, it was a close battle, and then Rutgers went on like a 12-0 run. And ever since then, Michigan could not hang with them at all. Hunter Dickinson led Michigan in scoring with 24 points. He's the only Michigan player to score in double figures for them. Uh, for Rutgers, Cam Spencer, to me, was the difference maker on this one, especially in the second half. Hit some big-time shots. They got in transition, did what they needed to do, shot well from three, 44%, uh, 44% from three. Uh, in the second half, man, Michigan, what a disappointing end to this season. They needed to win this game. They desperately needed to win to even remotely stay close to bubble talk. And I thought that they would. We've got an interview coming up here in just a few minutes with our guy Greg Waddell from Sleepers Media and Field of 68, big Michigan fan. We talk all about it, but thought that they would win. Honestly, thought that they had challenged Purdue tomorrow in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament, but they just didn't have it all year in the re- in the regular season or however you want to look at it, 17 and 15, just not enough. Hunter Dickinson, 24 points in this game, Buffkin only nine. They got pretty much no production out of anybody else. And that's been the story of their season. You have either Dickinson, Howard, Buffkin go off. The rest of the guys don't do much. It's just kind of how they've been. And Rutgers talking about a team on the bubble, Trevor, you know, you do that show on Friday nights on the spaces for us with Phil on the bracketology. Rutgers has been a hot, hot topic button here. Um, they're 19 13, once was a lot for a tournament, really been slipping, fell to the bubble now. This was a massive win for them. They've got another big chance to solidify a tournament spot tomorrow against Purdue. Rutgers, can they carry the momentum tomorrow against Purdue? Is going to be the interesting. They've already beat them the one time they played them. So good win for Rutgers. Uh, Michigan, very disappointing this year. Yeah, I'm glad to see that we're uh, spending three minutes on the mid-off. Um, no, Rutgers, yeah. Michigan. Um, I thought I think Ohio State's uh, win over Iowa literally 15 minutes ago or whatever it was was probably more interesting uh, for – obviously, bubble talk records is going to be more interesting than anything. Um, I really hate it for Michigan. I think this is one of the more talented teams they've had in a little while. Um, big fan of Buffkin, big fan of Howard in terms of draft prospecting, but – um, yeah, I'm not surprised by the result. Honestly, Rutgers uh, did just have the better game. I mean, it was a low-scoring effort for Michigan, and I'm really excited to see the Big Ten continue to get a little bit weirder and weirder as we get closer and closer to the semifinals and the finals for them. So I 
does this even like, I think this is funny. There are some like things that continue to happen for Rutgers, obviously as they collapsed. Uh, it's like they're fighting over some of the Harper kids. And I think it's really good if they make the tournament and they have a moment that they probably secure that, that guy as well, uh, Dylan Harper. So I'm just thinking outside the box of Rutgers. Cause I don't care about either of these teams. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. I feel you on that one. And the funny thing is, our boy Phil, who's not on this uh, week's show, um, I'm sure he's probably celebrating knowing Hunter Dickinson's going to be going NIT bound. Oh, he's got so, so yeah. much heat with him. He's he got so much heat Hunter Dickinson. He's got so much heat with him. After okay. what he did on the pods with Barstool, though, he kind of deserves it. So. But yeah. Yeah, and there's that heat with Illinois between Michigan and Illinois is all of a sudden budding rivals. So yeah, we laugh every time Phil talks shit about Hunter, so it, it's pretty funny. Um, Peyton, you want to talk real quick about some teams that clinched their, um, spot to the big dance from this early week? Yeah, there's been a lot more than these three I'm going to mention, but I think this is the three, uh, teams that are the biggest, uh, storyline-wise. Texas A&M, Corporate Christie wins the Southland Conference, Colgate wins the Patriot League, and Oil Roberts wins the Summit League. And there's obviously a lot more, I think, um, Charleston, Charleston won their league. Great um, games, Great games out there in the CAA. First, Charleston, the Hofstra, the one seed, gets beaten. And then Charleston, the semifinals, plays a tremendous game against Towson that goes back and forth. And then Charleston has to play from behind and against UNC Wilmington, ends up squeaking one out. That was a team that was thirty going to be a 30-win team, four losses had they lost the championship game, that probably wasn't going to make the NCAA tournament which would have been wild to keep a 30-win team out, but that was the reality. So they're in the tournament. You talked about Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Watch that entire game. Fun game. Uh, Demarcus Sharp from Northwestern State, 32 points on 29 shots. He was letting it fly in this game. You guys remember, too, Hansel Emanuel, the great story, the one-armed guy playing for uh, Northwestern State. He had a crazy block at the rim against Texas A&M CC. He ends up with no points, but did play 25 minutes. So you love seeing stories like that. This was a game, too. Uh, CC was trying to lose it. They were up pretty comfortably. It was like up eight with like a minute 30 to go. And then Northwestern State puts a full court trap on. Uh, Texas A&M CC keeps turning the ball over, missed some free throws, but ultimately at the end held on for the win to get the auto bid. And then the two I want to talk about real briefly, Colgate wins the Patriot as expected, just completely whooping ass in that conference. That's a team to keep an eye out on. They're probably going to be like a 14 seed. They've got the pieces to pull an upset in round one. And then our favorites of the mid-majors, small majors, Oral Roberts. We've talked about them at length. They are an upset waiting to happen. Probably Trevor, I think, is going to be a 12 or 13 seed. Depending on who they get matched up with as a 4 or 5, that is an upset waiting to happen. I love this Oral Roberts team. I think talent wins out mostly in this case, but I will say that the world thinks Oral Roberts is going to win the tur- win the tournament sometimes <laughs> right now, it seems like. And I'm just like, I'm just a little hesitant. Uh, it, I think there was nobody else in that conference that was probably willing to, uh, you know, put up a fight and win that tournament. And I think we saw it uh, and, and obviously win a tur- tournament game. Um, I'm more interested in Colgate, to be honest with you. Shout out to Coleman Crawley because I've uh, been on Colgate all year and got to see uh, him a couple of times this year traveling throughout the country. And uh, if there's anybody that's got a pulse on mid-major basketball right now, it's going to be Mr. Coleman Crowley. So uh, shout out to Coleman. But yeah, Col- Colgate's an unbelievable three-point shooting team. Um, Richardson, uh, or Tucker Richardson's an unbelievable, I probably messed up his name there, but uh, unbelievable player. Uh, had a triple-double in the tournament uh, finals for them. So 
I'm really excited for Colgate. Yeah, it was like 11, 11, and 11, right? 11 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. That's insane. I hope he draw. I hope they draw a 15 or a 14, which I am hopeful of. I, I, I'm really, I don't think they'll get the 16, but they, they really do. They get a good draw and I think they can beat whoever they play. You said they're the, they shoot the three. Well, I'd hope so. They're the number one three point shooting team in America. 40.9%. I mean, they light the nets up. That's a team though, that has upset potential. If they're hitting their threes, then they're going to be right there for an upset. But unfortunately, teams like that, if shots aren't falling, then they'll get blown out. It's kind of like feast or famine for a team like that, but it makes for exciting games. So, Absolutely. There's been 14 bids punched so far for the March, for the tournament. Out of those 14 bids, okay, besides Gonzaga, because that's just, that's just, just unfair. Don't actually mention them because obviously that'd be the correct choice. And of all the bids that's been punched in these mid-major conferences, who do you think can make the biggest, or who do you think can make the biggest noise uh, for the tournament? Mm, these are the kind of questions I like, but while I get my answer, Jessica first. Um, I've got it narrowed down to two. As much as I enjoyed this Colgate team, I'm going to stick. I've said it for months now. Oral Roberts or Drake. One of those two teams have ah, potential. To, one of the one of those two teams, in my opinion, have the potential to make a second week into like Sweet 16. I'm going to go with the Paladins. I really like Furman. I've been on them all year. I love Furman. Uh, I got to see them up close in person this year. Literally up close in person. I was behind the cheerleaders on the floor. It was kind of wild. It's not a bad um, seat. <laughs> uh, well, it, well, from from a basketball standpoint, it was a horrible seat. I couldn't see anything. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But uh, they proceeded to lose in Raleigh by 38. So uh, whatever, right? Like it, you know, not a great showing. I was there for draft prospects scouting from Jalen Slauson. And uh, obviously, Both was an unbelievable player. I think it's going to be really so important. So Pegues has been yep. great in this postseason so far. It's hopefully who they. It's more of a who they draw versus anything. But um, like right now, they're they're expected to play Gonzaga in the fourteen three, and I just well, I wouldn't athletically count, they would be good, but I just I, I wouldn't count that. This is we got to save some of this for Monday. But if that was the matchup, I wouldn't count them out because we've talked about it all year. Gonzaga don't defend. Yeah, they would yeah. let they would let Furman hang in as long as Furman's converting their their chances. So that's not a terrible matchup, but could they stop Gonzaga? Is the problem. My other answer, by the way, Colgate would be projected to play Purdue okay. in the fifteen two line. Uh, just want to throw that out there as like a Braden, hmm. Braden Smith versus Braden Smith. Both yes, teams have got one. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, my answer is for one, I do like the Drake team. Uh, with Tucker DeVries, yeah. 18.9 points per game. They beat the shot of Bradley in the Missouri Valley uh, Championship game. But the team I'm going with, first of all, Josh, how dare you You didn't pick Furman from the SoCon. You love the I SoCon. Know, I love the and SoCon, some reason, man. you didn't pick them. Shame I on you, know, man. I know. Shame on me. you. My team is going to the Big South, and that's the UNC Asheville Bulldogs. 27-7. and Drew Pember, remember oh, that name. Former 20, Tennessee player. 21 points per game, and they are the ninth ranked shooting uh, three-point shooting team in the country, 38.8%. Not only that, the 23rd in defending the three. So they only give up 30.5% from the three-point line. So not only do they shoot the ball extremely well from the three, they also stop the opposing teams from shooting the ball well from three. So And plus they got the nation's 10th longest active win streak at nine in a row so far. I like the Bulldogs of UNC Asheville for my team to make some noise outside of Gonzaga because that's obviously unfair. Gonzaga ain't no mid-major, the high major now. Um, that's yeah. going to be in. What's up, Josh? No, I was just going to say that's a great pick. Drew Pember, former Tennessee player. He knows what it's like going against the bigger teams on the bigger stages. 
Yep. Uh, and a guy like Caleb Burgess has been tremendous this year for him as well. So, yeah, no, UNC Asheville is a team that could definitely pull off an upset or two. I'm always going to play the the heartstrings of the teams that I've pretend like I've watched all year. But I have watched Asheville a ton, and I love them Like on the Saturday 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock tips when there's not really any national games on. I watched them uh, play Gardner-Webb this year. They had uh, they went it overtime, hit it. Uh, I think it was like a 40 foot shot to win the game. I mean, it was unbelievable team. They're resilient. They beat people forget they won. Uh, and I believe it was double overtime uh, at UCF to start the year. Um, they played yep. a couple of really tough games. They played NC central. Who's probably going to come out of their conference um, at in Durham. They played them 79, 66. Um, they lost really bad to Dayton. Um, they did play at Arkansas when Arkansas was ranked 10th. Um, they lost 85 to 51. They didn't put up a fight there, but otherwise they've just tore through the big South. Their only loss and hiccup was against South Carolina upstate. That was a six point loss on the road. So they're, they would actually be on the nation's longest win streak. If they had won that game, um, their last loss uh, would have been Winthrop uh, at the beginning of conference play. So you can see Asheville, I think it's going to be really important. I've seen them fall into the 16, a couple of places. I really hope they don't draw the 16, but they can technically beat purdue or somebody like that i think it'd be really funny yeah i like all of our suggestions but peyton your show take a back over sir well i'm going to josh you mentioned a team um that's going to bring a little foe back to me, only me and you know screw gardner webb they're yeah. the team that knocked out like ended um chris Kerman's career four years yeah. ago so screw that well, five years ago whatever it was so screw them chris All clemens right. our first ever shout out on the podcast first when we ever started, shout out man when we chris clemens back. huh yeah, chris yeah. Clemens, he's the man can i tell you thing. can i tell you a funny full uh real like a just moment that'll bring us everything together yeah i grew up in boys creek where he played campbell for four years that was where i grew up that was literally the place i lived for my entire life and i live now i can see his high school out my window wow that's wow. just it's chris clemens has been in my life for way too long i've been supporting <laughs> the guy for a really long time I love that kid. I'm so glad that Chris you Clemens. That. Yeah, he was our guy All right, when we first started this. Chris Clemens and Mike the Bomb Dom. Mike the Bomb Dom, baby. <laughs> Mike Dot Don. Those two are the guys that first year. And love you it. throw in Miles Powell and Marcus Howard in there as well. Those were Matt Rushmore of ECP players for yeah. us. But uh, that's going to be end of the previews uh, or end of the reviews, excuse me. We're going to go ahead and play this Greg Waddell interview that me and Josh had a chance to sit down with him on Tuesday to talk about 15 minutes with him. Uh, we're going to play that interview. We're going to do a couple of commercial breaks, and then we'll come right back to talk some previews for this week. So we'll be back in a moment. Well, maybe. Let me let, it feel, let me play this stupid-ass video. <laughs> Yeah, God, well, don't you hate technology, Josh? Yeah, you know, you well, got internet problems all the damn time. So. <laughs> I love internet. I love technology, man. All right, so I'm going to have to start here because they ain't let me pull my video up. StreamYard, you sons it's, of bitches. Uh, it's all right. Go ahead. Go to mute until you can pull it up. We'll, we'll talk some more UNC Asheville and stuff. Um, No, but seriously, though, you talked about Chris Clemens, though. God, I loved watching that dude play back in – back when we first started this, he would light it up. Like I said, he was our first ever shout out. Like we loved watching him and those guys from, that's what made me fall in love with like smaller conferences when we first started covering them. And then the SoCon, I, I loved watching Wofford and Furman and East Tennessee state. It seems like those teams are always kind of not disrespected, but you look at a Furman, as you mentioned, people are going to look at them. That's casuals and be like, ah, they can't really play. But until they get in the tournament and either pull the upset 
over a higher ranked team or play them close. And then people are like, well, where'd they come from? I, I love the Furman shout out, by the way. Yeah, I'm like, I shout out to Ryan Hammer who uh, put out like the first uh, major content of uh, about Furman this year. He put out the video in August and he was like laying out the case. Obviously, they lost on that tragic uh, buzzer beater uh, against Chattanooga last year, but uh, they are definitely built for a run. I'm a lot of my love of them comes from the Jalen Slauson NBA draft stuff. I'm, I do a lot of NBA draft coverage, especially this time of year, um, but he's. He's an unbelievable player and really any everything except for the three-point shot was what he, he had going for him. He was a very multi – in baseball, you would call it a, a five-tool prospect. Yep. Um, but the three-point shot, he's shooting like 38% from three in the last 10 games. It's like, okay, cool. So everything's there. And uh, I'm just – I know he's 28 years old basically, but in NBA draft <laughs> standpoint. But um, he's unbelievable. I, I got to see him in person, and obviously he struggled in that game mightily against State. But – um, I really enjoyed some of the stuff that you can see in person, the physical traits, some of the way the hips move and some of the intangible like wingspan. He's probably got a plus six wingspan, which is just nuts for a guy of his size. And uh, I mean, I tell this story every time I talk about Furman, but he literally caught the ball. We'll use our little squares on the live stream here. Like that's the backboard, right? He caught it. He caught the ball outside of the backboard. Like I, I, his hands caught the ball outside of the frame. So over here and he was able to dunk it. And it was like, I've never seen someone do that before. And it just, I, I'm floored by that kid. No, I, I, I'm with you, man. I think Furman. Uh, well, Peyton's trying to get this interview to pull up since something's going on technical issues. Let's uh, real quick scoreboard watching. Um, you got Tennessee up 12 on Ole Miss in the SEC tournament. You know, Tennessee, we've talked about, knows the Kai Ziegler. Um, they shouldn't have any problems with Ole Miss here. Should advance to the next round of the SEC tournament, the quarterfinals. Dayton St. Joe's just tipped off in the quarterfinals of the A-10 tournament. Dayton's up early 4-3. You go to the SWAT tournament quarterfinals. It's an overtime. Prairie View 54, Jackson State 54. Toledo, which I don't know if you've watched much MAC action this year, the MACTION. Toledo is a dangerous team. They beat Miami, Ohio 91-75. There's a trio of teams in that MAC that are Kent super State. dangerous. Kent State, Toledo, and who was the other team I was just thinking of? Uh, Kent State, Toledo, I know for sure. Whoever comes out of that MAC, I think, talking about another upset bid, those dudes can play. Sincere carry from Kent State's the real deal. I think in the nation, if they don't know him now, come NCAA tournament time. I'm you're know. Third team. Do what? Ohio, maybe you're thinking about as the third team. Ohio, that's the other one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if the nation okay. don't know who Sincere Carey is from Kent State, and they make the tournament, they're going to know real quick because I think he's going to put a show on. Um, Peyton, were you able to get that interview yet? Yeah, I'm going to try it real quick. Uh, if this doesn't work the way I want it to, then I'll just share my screen. We'll do it like that, and hopefully you guys can hear the audio. So let me try it. Three, two, one. Okay, that didn't work, so let me just share my damn screen. Also, if you got to mention it, of course, you you don't mention everything. Kansas just beat West Virginia 78-61 to 70, or 61 without Bill Self on the floor and with Kevin McCullough. Um, he played in this game. He didn't start. He had back spasms in this game, though, uh, or heading mm. into this game. So I don't know how many minutes total he played. But big win for Kansas. Then they'll play uh, um, Iowa State in the semifinals for a chance to play in the final on Saturday. So When we come back from this interview, I'm going to talk a couple other results, go back to the Big East because there's one that's I, I want to talk about. But let's pull this interview up, and uh, let's get rolling with that. All right, we're having issues. Uh, we'll probably just have to uh, 
we'll pull this video up on our YouTube. I, I don't know why StreamYard's being like this, but we're gonna go ahead and head into a commercial break though. So do that. Um, we're gonna play the Seat Geek interview or Seat Geek thing, and then we'll play uh, Connor Cushman, and we'll be right back in a moment. Sorry about that. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh here, and I'm here to let you know that we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they are here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off of your first purchase. What's going on, everybody? This is Conrad here from Everything Pro Wrestling, here to let you know that Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans. Every Monday, we are live at 6.05 Eastern Standard Time with Clash of the Podcast, where you can listen to myself and my tag team partner, Sean Hubbard of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, talk all the latest and greatest in pro wrestling. You might even find an old school topic or two as well mixed in. And every Wednesday, we go live on YouTube once again with AEW Dynamite post-show coverage. So at 10.05, head on over to the Everything Pro Wrestling channel and talk what we just saw on Dynamite with us. And did I mention that we are on all available audio platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Thank you so much for listening to me. And let's get back to everything college basketball. There you have it. Thanks for our word to our sponsors, Peyton. I'm sorry I jumped in and tuck your thunder there. But uh, just again, apologize about some of the dead air live when you're doing live production. Shit happens. We will release that or that interview probably like Peyton mentioned on the YouTube channel. We will. It's a great interview, about 20 minutes with Greg Waddell. So we will get that out. Apologize for that. But Peyton, before all this happened, I said I wanted to go back to the Big East real quick because I know we're going to get to the previews and get out of here. There's a result that stands out to me. Today in Madison Square Garden, UConn beats Providence 73-66. The Huskies are playing really good basketball right now. They're starting to look like the team from November, December. And Providence loses another game. They did not start Bynum today. He came off the bench trying to change things up, get the mojo back. I've heard talks of it. I've seen debates about it that some people think the Providence are still safe. Some think Providence are in trouble. They lose this game, fellas. Does Providence hear their name called this Sunday during Selection Sunday or not? Because I'm torn on it. They didn't play the greatest non-con schedule, and they're struggling down the stretch. What do we think about Providence? Trevor, you can go with that one first. As I've self-proclaimed on the Bracketology show on Fridays, I'm not a Bracketologist, which I then thank Phil for inviting me either way. But... um I think they'll be fine. Like, I think they're going to end up, unfortunately, like I think 10 was kind of their, their floor and then, uh, or their ceiling, excuse me. But I think now we'll kind of have to realize that they're probably going to end up being in the first four out. I think would our first four in, excuse me. Um, I, I don't know. So you think I, they end in Dayton? You, you think they'll play on Dayton on a Tuesday or Wednesday night? Yeah. I think that'll probably be where, especially if they lose this game. I think that'll be where they end up. And he's close though. Hold the hell up a minute, okay? Josh, what the hell do you think you're doing? This is my show. I'm the host. <laughs> I, how dare you steal my thunder? I was going to get to that, but you just cut me off right away like I'm just uh, <laughs> Well, then nothing. get to it. Stop rambling. Get to it. You know what I think about that? 
Oh, just we'll get ready to play Tennessee. We were, we were incredibly outmanned at the end. Had three, four guys on the bench in foul trouble. Joke! <laughs> that's so that's what audio. I, that's what I think about that. Don't interrupt me again. All right. But to your point, I think Providence still has enough to be in the tournament. But I do think they'll be playing in Dayton. I don't think they're going to get or be a part of the field of 64. I think they'll have to play the win. Um, I do think they make it, though. I don't see how you can keep them out of the field of 68. But I do think they're going to have to earn their way in and play in Dayton. Yeah, I don't know if you said if this game goes final or not, but it did. So, Yeah, it's over. Okay, yeah, bro, I don't know UConn if I misunderstood won. that. Yeah, yeah, UConn won. Okay. All right, let's go to the, AC, the previews for this week. Um, I originally had Duke versus Pittsburgh on here. I thought that that game actually started later than it did, but it didn't. Duke beat the shit out of Pittsburgh. 96-69 um, was what I last nine, saw. Yeah, Just throwing 96, that out there. 96-69. Holy shit. Duke's starting Duke. to play really well right now at the right time. They're getting going. Duke is on fire. I would not be surprised for them to beat Miami tomorrow, then win the ACC tournament, and maybe get like a five seed and be super dangerous. Absolutely. We're going to replace the Duke um, Pittsburgh game and we're going to talk about six seed NC State taking on three seed Clemson. Winner plays the winner of North Carolina and Virginia, which we'll talk about in a minute. Thoughts on this and who do you have winning? Trevor, you're the ACC guy. Of course I have the Wolfpack winning. Why would I be here if I didn't, <laughs> right? Um, you talk about best guard play. I was saving this for for hours here now, but um, you mentioned the best guards in the country with Baylor. I'd like to put some respect on Darkel Joyner, Casey Morcel, and uh, Trevion Smith's names. Not that Baylor's guards aren't better. I'm obviously being biased here. Um, I'm being an honest journalist. They had a play <laughs> in the game yesterday, by the way. I, I mentally checked out of that game like 15 minutes in. I mean, they, they just demolished Virginia Tech. Um but they had a play where Casey had a block or it was like a block steal. It was one of those weird, like the guy was trying to pass it, blocked it, steal it, whatever. Um, Through a 40 foot outlet pass to Turk who drove down the right side and alley did the dark kill for a dunk. If that doesn't tell you what that they can do in one play and how good they've been all year as a, as a unit, I don't know what does. Obviously they have really good touch uh, from a big man in DJ Burns. Uh, I'm really excited to see how they avenge the loss. I think the blowout senior night loss to Clemson, honestly was probably the best thing that could have happened for them in the stretch. I'm obviously a loss is never good down the stretch like that, but I think they're going to take that game, bottle it up together. And I think they're going to hopefully come out. I would love for the sake of poetic justice. I would love for them to beat the crap out of Clemson. And I just think Clemson's overvalued for where they're seated. And honestly, it's hilarious that a three seed in the AC tournament has a better at large or has a worse at large chance than a six seed in the AC tournament with a decent resume. So um, hilarious that Lenardi has it that way, but, um, we all know how he is sometimes. So Hey, well, w- w- you can ask Phil. We've been high on the North Carolina State train for a long time. Uh, we think that they can be super dangerous with that backcourt, as you mentioned. Um, and we, we do give them credit. I'll have you know, sir. Yeah, we give we, them we, credit. We, we, we say Baylor's got the best, and probably North Carolina State's right behind them second. So Look, when Tate Frazier gives them credit, I have to I have to know that their people are starting to really yeah. pay attention, okay? That's well, they, they, let's put it this way. I think Baylor, as far as their trio, is better technical-wise, but as far as explosivity goes and doing highlight plays, I think North Carolina State's got that covered by a mile. Like, that, that three-headed monster in the backcourt is, is a highlight waiting to happen. But as far as this game goes tonight – 
or yesterday, if you're listening to this on a Friday or on the weekend, you mentioned it. Clemson swept them during the regular season, beat them in Clemson 78-64, and then beat North Carolina State on their home floor on senior night 96-71. So there's a revenge factor. We all know it's hard to beat a team three times in a calendar year, and Clemson's playing for their tournament life still. This is a team that just a couple weeks ago was a top ACC still playing for the tournament life. A win tonight would, I think, secure a bid for them. North Carolina State's playing for a better seed because I've seen them hovering around the 8, 9, 10 area, so it could be a real chance to bump up. Um, I think this game could be very up and down. I think both teams will want to get up and go, push the action, play a fast-tempo type game. You look at North Carolina State, they're 28th in offense. Defensively, they're struggling 81st as far as uh, defensive efficiency goes. But they're really good at not turning the basketball over. You look, they're second in the country in turnover percentage on the offensive end. They don't turn the basketball over a whole lot. So I think they're wanting to get this game into a track meet, both teams. And I think at the end of the day, Carolina State's backcourt wins them this game. I like Carolina State basically in their backyard in Greensboro. Turk Smith, Jarkel Joyner, I think they have monster games. Casey Marcel as well, I can't forget him. But I think ultimately it comes down to if DJ Burns is ready to go and if he plays well, if he can have a game where he goes for like 15 and 10, Carolina State wins comfortably. If he struggles, then that opens the door for like P.J. Hall from Clemson and all that. They're going to have to stop Hunter Tyson. That's going to be the biggest thing. Well, and he's a he's turned into a big-time shot maker with the size this year, Absolutely. too. So I, I think this game will be up and down, but I got Carolina State winning to go to the semifinals on Friday night. I think Carolina State covers by like six, seven points. So I'll say Carolina State wins. 91-85, high scoring. I'm not even going to give a prediction. I have too much emotional writing on this, but I'll give you I'll, I'll give you this. I haven't said this publicly yet, and I'm just going to say what comes to mind. But So there's a lot of storylines in college basketball. I think it's a beautiful game, and you probably know where I'm going with this, but it is the 40th anniversary of their last national title as a basketball team. Yep. Um, it's beautiful. They've brought it up many times. They brought them in the building, got those guys really bought in and believe in them. And by the way, let me just stop you now before you think, why is he about to give me a national title pitch? I'm not doing that. But what I am doing is the NCAA tournament committee, whether people like it or not, likes fun and they like storylines, at least a few years ago more than now. How, how much fun would it be if the final four is going to be in Houston's hometown and oh, you're, talking about, you're talking about seating, hold on. You're talking about seating, right? Like they're a 10 right now playing Michigan state at a seven. All it takes is this one against Clemson and Michigan state to lose or Michigan, you know, a couple things to move around in that bracket. They're the eight, nine. They'll probably probably be the nine in the Houston region. They would obviously hopefully have to beat their eight seed. And then if they play Houston in the round of 32 and on the 40th anniversary on Jim Nance's final CBS run, oh my his home God. school, not to be able to see them perform in the final four like they're expected to be and if north carolina state on the 40th anniversary of beating that that fly slam pajama team yeah i would be insufferable and you would never be able to invite me back again i'm I telling you i've never made this public but that that is playing out in my head and i promise you if it happens i will i will be on the news <laughs> like, i need not... <laughs> i need one of those round of applause like sound clips to play because that never crossed my mind until you just said that and how like storyline driven would that be? That would be amazing. I'm like, I'm putting it into the atmosphere now that that happens. <laughs> like, put, me down, put me down for the bracket show on Sunday night or whatever. I, I'm going to do the one with uh, Phil and all that stuff uh, with Dan Bastin, but on Monday or whatever y'all are doing, if you see that result, think of me on Sunday night, if they get the eight, nine in Houston's region, 
you're either getting a DM within 30 seconds saying, hey, book me for five <laughs> minutes and I'll be right there or, I, or I'm yes. not showing up like because I will have too much yes. invested in it. I'm not I'm not prepared because I'm going to be there if they like if, if Houston doesn't make it like I'm going to be in the final four. It's going to be crazy. I'm not looking forward to this mentally. I hope that honestly it'd be even crazier if they played them in the final four, but I'm not. That's what Peyton, that's such a great like side story there that we forget the Clemson game. Now I'm hoping into existence, Carolina state Houston round two. Josh, you said you need some, uh, a round of applause. I need a little effect. I'll have my head of my brain going blown because my God, that just blew my mind. Holy shit. That'd be incredible if that shit happens. But you know, you know, I almost want to pick Clemson this game for one, just to be different from you both. And two, just to piss Trevor off because I like pissing people off. But you know what? I ain't going to do that because I don't think that's going to happen. It's like Josh mentioned, it's hard as hell to beat a team. Uh, three times in one year. I know Iowa State just did it to Baylor, but that's different. Not everyone can do that. Um, NC State, too much guard play. DJ Burns is going to do a good job. One Hunter Tyson. Uh, NC State wins this game, 78-71. to Staying in the ACC, we go Virginia, the two-seed, versus seven-seed North Carolina, North Carolina needs to win this damn game. The last time these two teams faced off, North Carolina pretty much beat their ass. Um, Let me take this. Does North Carolina win? Does Virginia win? How do y'all feel? North Carolina desperate. We know the situation. They desperately need to keep winning to keep their tournament hopes alive. They looked really good against Boston College last night, but it's still Boston College. I will give them credit, though, especially in the first half. They pounded the paint every Every time they had the ball in the first like 10 minutes of the game, um, Armando Bacay at least touched the ball. And that's how we've been begging them to play all year. You have an All-American, pound the thing to him and let him either go get a bucket or kick the ball back out. They played well last night. Virginia, I'm gonna, we've said it for weeks now, Peyton. Sell on Virginia. This is not your your dad's Virginia team of a few years ago. They're fine defensively, they're not elite. They struggle scoring the basketball. If you get out on ahead of them by like 10 points or more, they have a hard time coming back from it. As much as I want to say the road ends for Carolina here, I think this is a favorable matchup. I think Carolina will push the pace, try to continue to pound the ball to Armando Baycott, play inside out. Carolina wins this game, moves to the semifinal against North Carolina State. Uh, I think that I'm not saying they're getting hot again all of a sudden, I just think this is a very favorable matchup for them, and I think we're going to see a steady dose of Armando Baycott, maybe like a 2015 type of night for him, but I think Carolina wins this game. I'll be really quick for the sake of time. Um, I, as a fan, would love to see North Carolina move on because we've beaten them this year. We handled them pretty well in Raleigh. We being a, I'm trying to be an honest journalist, but obviously I'm a fan in this tournament. Um, I also can't get the image of Kihei Clark and Reese Beekman holding Eleven Davis to under 20 points combined or less. So I'm going to go with Virginia. I know this is not Virginia's team. I sold them. I'm with you. We had a little uh, little stock selling party a few weeks ago and got together. And and uh, I sold out my Virginia stock too. But uh, I think this is at least defensively the pedigree of Tony Bennett. Um, this North Carolina team just needs to be old yellered. And this is the moment they get old yellered. Take them out back, take care of them, and move on. And Virginia is going to do that. Now, as a fan, I'm not looking forward to playing Virginia next day because Virginia held the number one scoring offense in the ACC at 79 and a half points at the time to 51 points in in Charlottesville. So not happy about it, but either way, I lose the scenario. So Carolina is going to get old yellow tonight. By the way, I'm watching it with a Carolina fan, and then two hours later, I have to watch my game. So it's going to be an emotional night for me. I'm not looking forward to it. My best friend of 20 years 
is a huge Carolina fan and it's not going to be a fun night for either of us probably. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like me. I live in a house full of Kentucky fans my whole life, and that kind of sucks for me, and I'm a Louisville fan. So you can just imagine the pain I've been through my whole 23-year life. But um, talking about this Virginia-North Carolina game, listen, North Carolina was dead two weeks ago. I don't give a shit if they beat Virginia last time they played it or not. One quad one win of this season isn't going to get you into the NCAA tournament. They have to win the ACC tournament to get in. And Myers, I don't care if they go to the championship game and lose. I don't think that's good enough. I think they need to win the ACC tournament. They've been dead. They've been buried. They're six feet under. And I'm sorry, you motherfuckers ain't Undertaker six feet under holding his damn hand above the grave. It ain't happening. You're already done. It's finished. Virginia's putting the final nail in the coffin. You don't doubt Tony Bennett. Josh, we've said that before. Some reason you're going against it this time. Virginia is going to right the wrong that they had a couple weeks ago. They're going to win this game. 64 or 66 to 59 North Carolina season is over with. I'll leave you with one. I'll leave you with one sentence that has a very strong exclamation point on it. Hubert Davis is three and one against Virginia's career. Well, that's what I'm saying. And they're playing with their backs against the wall. If they play like they did last night against Boston college, they will beat Virginia. And I know it's Boston college, but BC also two weeks ago, smacked Virginia around, smacked them. And I think Virginia has a hard time scoring. I think Carolina's playing with a lot of motivation, as they should. And they pounded the paint with uh, Baycott. So they continue that recipe. They beat Virginia tonight. But, Peyton, let's move on. Let's go to the SEC. Second round game, number 10 seed, Arkansas, for your number seven seed. Auburn, Josh, is your conference. Who you got? This is a matchup of teams at similar spots. Auburn had a big win to end the regular season on Saturday, last Saturday against Tennessee, but they were also shorthanded Tennessee being that, that team. Um, Arkansas loses to a shorthanded Kentucky team. I'll keep it short and sweet. I think talent wins out at the end. I think Arkansas has enough to negate what Auburn's going to do with their backcourt and wanting to spread the floor out. Auburn plays good defense. Like they're really tough defensively. But I think that the size of Arkansas, as handsy as they are, when opposing teams try to drive on them, the way they can rip the ball away, back tip it, cause turnovers, I think Arkansas figures it out, gets a big win, moves on. Really quick, I think Arkansas, I'm with you. If guard play is going to win out, I think they're an unbelievable team in that regard. And I said before the SEC tournament, a lot of people said this, but I'm very proud of this. I think that little, if you were to draw a little oval around that section of the bracket, Arkansas, A&M, and uh, Auburn, I think the winner of the SC tournament was coming out of those three teams. And uh, obviously, Arkansas is going to have to beat Auburn to get there. So I'm also not a fan of this Auburn team. I knew that defensively they're pretty good, but I, I think this Arkansas team's getting uh, – I think the talent will win out. Do I think they'll win the SC tournament? Probably not. But I think Ar- Arkansas wins this game. So real quick, before Peyton, real quick, because I know we got to move on. So you have them beating Auburn playing Texas A.M. tomorrow night, I think at 7.30 um, in the SEC uh, quarters. Do you think they beat A&M? I, I've been low on it. I mean, if you, you were in the Twitter spaces the last two weeks, I mean, I, I have not been an A&M believer all year, I, despite the conference uh, run that they went on. Yeah, I think they do beat A&M. Fair enough. A&M's a whole different ball of wax with their defense and physicality. But Peyton, yeah. your thoughts on it? Like Trevor said, I have not been a fan of this Auburn team all season long. Uh, defensively, they all ranked 25th, but offensively, they're 55th, and even the offense. So the guard play, I'm not I'm not too thrilled about their guard play at all. 
Um, sorry, Bruce Pearl, but in this game, you're getting smashed. Go buy a T-shirt, by the way. Arkansas <laughs> wins this game by double digits. I'll say 73 to 61, Arkansas. The Razorback moves on. And just take us up for Texas A&M beats Arkansas. So there's my and then, uh, and then do you have them playing Kentucky on Saturday in the semi? Do you think Kentucky get because LSU beat Georgia in an upset, a small upset, but an upset? They play Vandy tonight. The winner of that plays Kentucky tomorrow night on Friday. Do you see any possible scenario where it's not Kentucky in the semifinal? No. Yeah, I think Kentucky's winning the SEC tournament. My fandom or not, I think Kentucky's got it together. I think Alabama is going to slip up somewhere. Maybe just get to Sunday, not care as much because they got a one seed. I think Kentucky's going to win the SEC this weekend. They definitely have a chance to do so. Let's move on to the Big East quarterfinals. Uh, number six, Villanova versus number three seed, Creighton. Uh, I'll go first on this one. I think Villanova has a legitimate shot to win the Big East this year and still a bid. Don't think it's going to happen, though. Love Creighton starting five. Creighton beats Villanova 81-75. to 75. You talk about nails in the coffin. Villanova put the final nail, presumably, in Patrick Ewing's Georgetown coffin last night. Yeah, we've talked about Villanova the last couple of weeks as a potential bid stiller, the way they're finally healthy. They're playing well. Eric Dixon, Justin Moore, Cam Whitmore. That is as good as threesome as you're going to find in the country right there. I like Villanova. They, they beat Creighton a few weeks ago at home and just whooped their ass pretty good from start to finish. Can they do it again on a neutral floor is the question. Creighton's not very deep, as we mentioned earlier in the show. I'm going the upset. I'm with you. I think Villanova wins this, and I think Villanova at least gets to the title game. Can they beat UConn, who I think will be there meeting them? I don't know, but I think Villanova wins this game and continues this. Uh, I-, I think, put it this way, Villanova wins tonight, and the rest of the teams on the bubble are going to be shitting bricks because Villanova could easily steal a bid here. Yeah, you've said everything that I wouldn't already have said, so I'll just leave it with this. Cam Whitmore hasn't had his true statement yet, and I think this is the game he does it against Kaluma, who I think he's a more capable point-of-attack uh, offensive player. I think he's a lot quicker uh, than Arthur Kaluma, and I think he'll be able to make sure that matchup is where they continue to win the game. Justin Moore has been unbelievable. I think Villanova, I have UConn winning the Big East tournament, so a simple answer. I think they make it to the finals, but they lose to UConn. The thing Villanova has to watch out for tonight is how will they negate Colt Brenner at the rim? They don't have anybody that can match up with him. So yeah. the first matchup, they pulled him away from the rim more. They'll have to do that again tonight because if Colt Brenner has a big night, like 20 points, 11 rebounds, four blocks, no way Villanova wins this game, I don't think. But if they can neutralize him, I like the how they match up in the backcourt and especially depth-wise, I think they can win. But they have to find a way to neutralize Colt Brenner. Real quick, just staying in the Big East real quick. So we do have a semifinal that's already set. Marquette taking on a one seed. Marquette taking on four seed. UConn. I think UConn wins that game. I'm not going to give a score, but I think Connecticut beats Marquette. Trevor, you, yeah, I was going to say we've mentioned UConn to the final and winning it. Um, UConn's playing lights out right now, and uh, their size, I think, at the end of the day, is going to be too much for Marquette. They were my pick before the tournament. Obviously, I want Villanova to be still a bid just for chaos, since State's pretty safely in now, but. Um, some of that bubble talk there, but I love UConn. I think they're getting hot again at the right time. I was obviously a believer this year when they people think they peaked too early. The Big East, I think, was really tough. They People thought they peaked too early. I just think the Big East was hard to play in this year. Hey, last question before we wrap up. Going back to the Big Ten, I, Ohio State's won two in a row now. They knocked out Iowa this afternoon. 
Any chance in hell, Peyton, that this Ohio State team can still bid? Because I think they got Michigan State next. I'm not looking at the bracket, but I think they got Michigan State next. Um, we we said back on Sunday, Michigan State wins this tournament. Um, but the way they're playing, momentum means a lot. Can Ohio State steal the steal the bid? I mean, yeah, if they score 14 points more in the first half, because that's what they had they scored last time we saw these two teams play against each other. Hell no. Ohio State's not beating Michigan State. Michigan State's miss, uh, you got Tal Meiser who's missed a much, damn it. It ain't happening. Michigan State's going on, and they're winning the Big Ten uh, championship this year. So, hell no. Yeah, sorry to my father-in-law who literally texted me and why I brought up the uh, Iowa uh, score. Uh, he texted me about it, and I knew that game was on. I sorry to him, but yeah, Ohio State's not winning Big Ten. Sorry about that. <laughs> Let's uh, real quick say we got two semifinal games happening. I think tomorrow, um, one in the Big Ten, one in the Big Twelve. We'll start the Big Ten first. Rutgers versus Purdue. Who you got? That's a quarter. That, that's a quarterfinal. Quarterfinals, but, um, close enough. Same Rutgers, game. Rutgers beat them the only time they matched up. Gave Purdue their first loss because they allowed Cliff Amore to pull Zach Eady away from the rim. That's a great game plan. They were going to have to do that again. Amorier is going to have to at least be a threat, pull E.D. away from the rim, double down as we've seen Indiana and Northwestern and other teams do, how they beat Purdue. The blueprint's there. Get after. Do not wait until you're down 10 with two to go to start pressing Purdue. Put a lot of ball pressure on Purdue's young guards. Force them into turnovers and bad decisions. You have a chance. But I just don't think that they're going to do it. I think Purdue finds a way to avenge the loss from earlier in the year. Purdue wins. But Rutgers, I'm begging you, put ball pressure early, extend the pressure, and then see what happens. That's your best hope of victory there. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, I think I don't – Purdue's going to be Rutgers. I don't think – I actually think this game won't be close. I know Rutgers won the previous one. I think Purdue's going to have a huge Zach Eady game, and I, I think they'll be fine. Yep. I think Purdue moves on as well. I agree. Uh, this game's actually a semifinal game. Iowa State versus Kansas. Kansas, both of these teams split the series. Hey, you guys got winning. I'll go last on this one. I'll go first sure. to knock it out. So it, I will say today was, uh, you know, obviously a good, a good victory. Obviously, sort of given the circumstances, I was not aware of the McCuller back spasm stuff. Um, I was obviously aware of coach self and and what we now know is a, a potentially a heart attack so first of all i just want to say prayers to bill self yep. in that situation that is march again alluded to at the beginning march does not have to be madness off the court like that's not something that you want to see from a team that literally just won the national title and now their coach is going through a thing that honestly might keep them out the rest of the the tournament and i don't like to hear that out loud but um rock chalk i think they get i think they get the i think they win the big 12 i'll keep it short and sweet kansas isn't losing in Kansas City in the semifinals. They're making it to Saturday night. We mentioned on Sunday, my prediction was Kansas, Kansas State. I'm sticking with that. Kansas, yep. I think they're going to make it look easy against Iowa State. I don't think Iowa State's holding them to like 55, 60 points. Kansas gets out early, keeps it big, and uh, cruises. McCuller hurts them, though, and no pun intended. And then obviously not having self like that's something they're going to really play into, and they're gonna, they'll use that as momentum. Yep, absolutely. I actually had on a Sunday, I had Iowa State actually going to the final, and that's because I had Iowa State beating West Virginia because I didn't think Kansas was going to sweep West Virginia 3-0 or 3-0 this season, but they ended up doing it. Jane Wilson had 22-11 in that game today. Um, big night for him, Big 12. You named him as Big 12 Player of the Year. I agree with y'all, though. We're going to sweep it. Obviously, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but you know what? At least I'm honest with it, unlike some North Carolina fans out there or former players out there. Excuse me. But uh, Rock yeah, Chalk, Tyler baby. Well, I wasn't going to name him, but okay. I will. Uh, 
Hansboro and Johnson. Well, I don't have heat with Hanson. Hansboro, he's just mad John Wall called him out and proved what a little bitch he is. So Hansboro, sorry about you, buddy. Kentucky's going to be dancing and make a run. Carolina's going to be in the NIT. So suck on that. Kansas wins. And with that being said, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to end it. Right? That's a nice little sound bite for that. Um, real quick, before we do end, Trevor, go ahead and plug all your stuff. Let them know where they can find you on social media and your podcast and everything like that. Well, first of all, thank you for the invite. Uh, I know that we've been trying to work this out for a little while with the scheduling and obviously this time of year is crazy. Uh, so thank you for the invitation. A um, lot going on right now for me, especially uh, with the tournament here and I think this is my fourth show in six days. So thank you again for uh, finding some time to figure this out. But um, two pointers on Twitter, uh, just as you see it on the screen there. Uh, it's pretty much the same on everything else social media wise. I've got some draft stuff coming out this week. It'll be the last draft implication uh, episode for me that will be out until like mid-April. Um, normally it's every other Friday. Um, I talked with Nick uh, Kalowinski about some of the teams and players that had to really prove it in March Madness from a draft standpoint. So I think the fitting timing of that's really good. Um, looking forward to selection Sunday with everybody from uh, basically one till midnight. So uh, that'll be really awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, I hate that we miss Phil today, but I will uh, talk to Phil on Monday and hopefully I'll talk to you guys uh, as well. If uh, state matches up against Houston in the eight, nine game and one seat, I will see you Monday. So thank you. Uh, yeah. again. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's, Peyton, the next time we come to them will be the biggest show we do all year. It's going to be the tournament show. We're breaking down actual brackets on Monday night, and I cannot wait. Yes, sir. A couple things before we leave. Uh, go check out the interview I did today with uh, head coach of the Southeast Missouri State men's basketball um, team, uh, Brad Corn. Had a chance to talk to him this morning at noon. Very insightful interview. A lot of good questions or a lot of good answers he had to the questions I had for him. Um, really nice dude, and he was nice and kind enough to uh, spend the time out of his day and talk to me for a little bit. So go check that. We posted it on uh, YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. Uh, if you don't want to search up everything college basketball on YouTube. Also, is Phil doing the spaces tomorrow? Like, is that still happening? Because I thought yeah. it was. Okay, yeah. so. I, won't, I won't be there, but it should be happening, I think. Okay, so also make sure you guys check out Phil's spaces on Twitter. That he does every Friday. He gets a lot of uh, black ontologists in there. Um I joined the last one that he just did, and I listened to the first one he did. Very insightful, um, very intriguing stuff, and I love listening to him every single week. As Selection Sunday starts to move towards, we're three days away, baby. Let's go. It's showtime now, bitches. I love this time of year, and ain't no better time of the year than March Madness, and Selection Sunday is really close. Like I said, Trevor, thank you so much for joining the show. Had a lot of fun talking to you and hitting your um, – Hearing your thoughts on some of these games that's happened this week and some games that's going to happen uh, a couple of days or a couple of days from now. Uh, Such so is getting close. Thank you so much for joining on. That's episode 144 of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Give it a five-star review. And we'll catch y'all Monday for the preview of the brackets. Later, y'all.